Hello everyone, my name is Lucas Mack and welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. I really believe right now in the world there is a movement happening where people are discovering that this divisive rhetoric of politics and religion and all other institutions are fading away. They are loud, yes, but their power, their influence, and their very existence is fading away because human beings are waking up to the fact that when we go outside and we look at trees and we hear nature and we just observe the world around us, it is beautiful. It is in sync. There is order. There is, there is a beauty and there is a synchronicity to it all. That is of the seasons of our lives and of our relationships with human beings. Skin colors are beautiful. People are waking up that the racism, even that evil, you see, all racism is evil, but not all evil is racism. There is much more evils in the world. And we get to, at this time, remove any evil within ourselves, any darkness, any pain, any trauma, any anger, any fear, which all are under the category of evil. And that evil sometimes comes in a benevolent form, but they don't serve our highest purpose of love and joy and gratitude, the frequencies that are the highest vibration. And so that's what we're experiencing right now in this world. And I'm excited to bring a brother on the podcast, Kel Marker. He shares his story vulnerably and he is a father, he's a husband, and I'm excited for this episode. So please welcome Kel Marker. So Kel, brother, how are you doing today? Man, it's a good day. I just finished my workout, actually. Just, I was like, I got to get juiced up before this and uh, right around like, I don't know, 11 o'clock my time here. So I'm doing well. What about yourself, man? Doing great, brother. Doing great. It's, uh, it's an early one. I got three kids uh, fighting over what, what they're going to watch on TV this morning. And we had, we've already done some disciplinary uh, actions, taking things away and, and uh, just, being, just being a dad on the Saturday morning, man. And, uh, it's That's, good. Being a dad's the best, man. It is, brother. Um, I'm so glad you're on. First of all, um, a, a, a huge shout out to Chris Worth for uh, the No Quit Living podcast who made the introduction. I love Chris. And he has sent me some really amazing people to be on this podcast. And you are definitely one of those. And so I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for Chris as well. I'm thankful for, for being on his podcast, a guest on his podcast, and then obviously introducing us and uh, happy to see where this kind of takes us on this journey. So I'm excited, man. This is good stuff. It's good. So tell me, uh, you have a podcast, you are, you have a journal, you've had quite uh, a journey, but tell me where'd you grow up and, and what led you to where you are right now? Oh, that's a big one. Um, so a little bit, I, I grew up in rural Ohio. I grew up, uh, in a place called Greenville, Ohio. And in, in the County, it's the biggest place. And it has 13,000 people maybe in it. So tells you how big that place is. Um, my dad was a baseball coach. So he coached uh, spring and summer. And so I, I always wanted to be around my dad. Mm. And so I, I followed him everywhere. I mean, I grew up on the diamond. I raked the diamond. I drove the, the lawn tractor and cut the grass. And I mean, tended to the field. And I grew up playing baseball. And eventually it took me through to college and where I played two years of college baseball. And I really, when I was growing up, I really just wanted to fit in, honestly. Mm. So that's what I did. I was pretty good, very good at being a chameleon. I could get along with 
the, the, what would be called the emo kids, uh, or, you know, the druggies, the jocks, the smart, like I got along with everyone and happily did that. Um, and then I went to college and kind of did the same thing, uh, but had a little more free time to like figure out who I was, but I was still pretty lost. So I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to do what I think I'm supposed to do, which is get married, have kids. And I did it in the have kids, get married uh, way. Uh-huh. Um, so right around 21, man, I had my first kid. And as, as I'm sure you know, it absolutely just rocks your world, changes your world. Rocked. Everything you thought you knew, you yeah. no longer know. And, you know, my kid, my older boy um, is seven and a half now. And I, I've accepted the fact that they're like my greatest teachers. Like mm. they teach me as much about life as I could ever teach them in, in all honesty. Yeah. So to, to, I'm trying to give you the condensed version because there's so much there. Um, so how I really kind of got on that is when, when my older boy was born, um, I asked a question like, what makes a good dad? What makes a good person? Who am I? And I quickly found out that I had no idea who I was. Mm. I jumped into a marriage. Um, and I also jumped into like, I can't, I can't go work for somebody. I got to be around this kid more. So I actually opened up, uh, I worked really hard to open up my business at 22, which was a CrossFit gym. And so I moved, I moved to a new town. I moved, I got a new wife, a new baby and a new business in rural Ohio that had no clue what my business was about. And, uh, I had no money. And so I just kind of kicked down the front door and, and, and started that way. And so to answer the last part of that question is how I got here is that I basically drank from a fire hose about life mm. and it knocked me down a couple times. And where I'm at today is I have a podcast uh, and that's really about my journey of figuring out who I am and how I show up today and then kind of where I'm going. So that's kind of the, the shortened version, I guess, if you will. What had you, as you were growing up in high school, when you said you, you were a chameleon, what, what precipitated that? Did you, did you experience trauma growing up? Did you, were you, did you have fear? What, what was the precipice for that? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. And something I've been reflecting on for me, it's, it was just, I felt that if I could make other people happy and that if I made them like me, Mm. then I would, I would be liked and I would be accepted and I'd be loved. And that's what I was ultimately after. And so I put all that externally and I just kind of was like, how do I make this person happy? How do I? And then I was, it was impressionable as all young kids are, right? It's like, do this or do this. No, you shouldn't do that. Um, I have a great relationship with my dad. I didn't always have a great relationship. I always loved my dad. I've always like looked up to my dad. Right. You know, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But as far as, as far as trauma, he, he was more of a do as I say, not as I do type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it just, he really shaped me into the person that he thought I should be doing the best he could. Right. And, um, it, I didn't really grow up in the, the free space. Like it was more like, really, no, don't, you're not supposed to do that because other people will think this. Mm-hmm. And so really it was, that's, if I'm kind of t- working through it with you now, was, yeah. that's, that's where it came from is like worrying about what other people thought, right? Don't do this because outsiders will think that. And I just kind of carried that with me, man. Brother, first of all, thanks for sharing that. And you're talking to someone who was at one time the most prolific people pleaser on planet earth. So I get it. And, um, 
that that craving to be loved and told that you're okay, told that we're okay, like you're okay. You know, you don't have to do anything. You can, you can if you want, or you cannot if you want, and you're still valued just as equally. And that's what, man, the lack of that, let's just start with that. The lack of that, not just in your life and my life, but compound that exponentially all around the world. People are craving love, yet we keep putting our eggs in political baskets. So if this candidate's hired or or, uh, voted in, finally I'll get satiated and feel like this need. Or if this happens or this, it's all still, we still as humans are putting our attention externally in things that we cannot control as opposed to really finally once and for all drawing the line in the sand and saying, I don't care if the whole world fucking hates me. If I'm satisfied with myself, if I know myself, I'm going to sleep well at night. And so that you're, you're just telling a very universal story that I think everyone can relate to, man. And so I appreciate you reflecting of, on that. Of course. You're kind of talking about the thing too, is like a common thing about our world, right? Like I don't care what the world thinks. And I think for me, I reflect like we say this all the time. Everyone has an iPhone. Well, in reality, no, everyone doesn't have a a smartphone even, right? Like that's just the world we live in. So when we say like, if I show up this way, my world will fall apart or my world, it's just the people that you know now, right? right. It's just the people that are around you right now. It's that world that you live in right now. But if you get out of rural Ohio, if you get out of the United States, if you talk with people that... I drive Uber right now and I've been on and off drive. I, I relate my relationship to Uber as like the high school relationship. We're on, on one week, off one week. I'm kind of, that's how I've been doing it for the last couple of years. And you just, you meet so many people and your perspective starts to really shift. And you realize like all these assumptions that you have are just that they're just assumptions. They're false. They're made up. Yep. And a lot of those assumptions control us. Yep. What you're saying is like, it's a, it's a, it's like a, it's like a United States uh, middle class universal thing that we we think this world is what it is and that we should only be this way. And when you really can step out of that, you realize that no, it's okay to be who I am because I finally released That's that. Right. That's right. The the whole game. I was talking to someone yesterday about this for quite a while. We are born into a game, and the game is the players around us respond to us and then we respond back to them and that's all it is it's it's action response action response and we're in this game until we finally say no no i will not play the game anymore <laughs> and you stop you detach you come out of the game and the best one of my favorite documentaries is called the matrix i don't know if you ever heard of it uh <laughs> no but uh the movie the matrix look the 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 most powerful scene for me in that movie is when he's starting, Neo starting to figure out who he is, what he's capable of. But then the agents bust through the door and the game is when agents show up, those people run until he finally said no. And he turned around and looked at him and said, no. And then they shot at him. He raised his hand, the bullet stopped in midair. He looks at him. It's It's an incredible scene. I believe our job as human beings is to say, no, this is not the game I want to play anymore. 
You are not yeah. the players I want to be on the board with. This is not the – this cause and effect is not the game. And until – and this is why this conversation is so important, like you and I talking about this, because there are millions of people listening around the world or you know, not that there are millions of people listening to this podcast, but millions of people around the world struggling with this issue of so afraid to step out of the game for fear of not being accepted when in reality that game that you're playing, you're already not accepted. Because it, in, it, if we have to do something for acceptance, that's not acceptance. Because our being, just simply breathing, if I'm not validated for simply breathing, then my doing is irrelevant because the mm. doing is then a form of control. If someone has that much power over you for you to do an act where you will get validated, then they control you. And if they control you, they can form whatever actions, future tense, they want you to take. And that's what's happening right now as, I, this, as I'm pontificating. But our world is playing a game that no one, if they're honest, really wants to play. Uh, to acknowledge, and I, and I hear you because, yes, we love our fathers. There's, there's nothing that can, nothing, nothing that will ever take that away. And yet, loving is separate from, did I get what I need? <laughs> Was I loved the way I needed to be loved? Yeah, we're talking about, well, I don't want to talk about things because what does it say about, well, do I not love them? Who cares? I'm still struggling with me. <laughs> My feeling of them means nothing because I'm not getting what I need. And so many people, I, this sweet gal I talked to yesterday, there's so many people trapped in this game and we don't have to play it any longer. No, we don't. And, and you kind of asked me, uh, you brought up a lot of good points. And, and one of the ones that I want to talk about is like the difference in something that I'm still learning about, something, something that I understand but as far as practicing it, it's yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm cultivating the skill. It's just the, the real difference between conditional love, which you're calling acceptance, and unconditional love, right? Which like, is the only just, form of love. Now, check this okay. out. There is no such thing as conditional love. Just conditions. It's just conditional. There's no such thing as unconditional love. There's only love, and love is always unconditional. When someone calls condition love, it is no different than calling a McDonald's hamburger, you know, Kentucky fried chicken. They're not the same things. They're not. Yeah. They're, you can get them at fast food restaurants, but they're not the same things. And there is no such thing as unconditional love. In fact, in Hebrew, the word love is a hava, which means to give. So when does love not give? And if it stops giving your highest good, then it's not love. So if someone says, I love you, but I hurt you, that's not love because I didn't, it wasn't my highest good. I love you, but I hit you. It's not love because I'm now scared and I shrink down. I love you and then I, I berate you with words and, and strip away your value of breathing. That's not love. That's interesting because and the way I hear you saying it, it almost seems like it's, it's externally. And I would say even a lot of people, because I'm like – like conceptualizing this in my head is like, you know, it's like, Oh, I said this to this person or I didn't feel good. I'm like, well, what if, what if I did that? Am I just not a lover of this person? Oh, I'm usually doing this dialogue with myself. That's exactly right. We right. My thoughts we are that way. Yes. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm shaming myself. Right. I, 
I, what we just said is uh, conditional versus unconditional, right? Which doesn't exist is I'm not loving myself. That's so right. the question would be is how do I love myself? Bingo. Right? And, Bingo. and that's, that's what's really, the thing that I've been pondering recently and I kind of wrote it down is like, I've been an advocate of, especially driving Uber. I love Uber because there's so many people that get in my Uber car and, and I just ask them crazy questions. and I really try to get them to get to know them as much as possible. But one of the things that I've kind of been uh, taking away from Uber and putting out on social media is you got my vote to be you. And the reason I do that is because as, as if I look at how I raised my kids and how I was raised, one of the things that I didn't have, I didn't have this free range to be who I was and to figure it out. Yeah. And a lot of times it's because the environment we're in, we don't have anybody's blessing because at a young age, that's what, you, that's what like, that's right. You need that. You need yes. your parents' validation. Like you feel like if, 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 if as, as a, as a two year old, if you don't have a mom and a dad, like whether they're your biological mom or dad, right. you, you won't survive. Right. And so you need them. And so from a survival standpoint, you want to follow through with what they are, what, what they say you should do. Yeah. And so one of the things that I'm advocating for right now is like to, to people, like I had a young lady in my car yesterday who has a beautiful voice and she doesn't want to sing because she's afraid mm. yet I created a space and she sang for me. And so one of the things I'm like, you've got my vote to follow your dreams. You've got my votes to be who you are. Mm. And that way, at least, you know, someone in this, this world has your back. That's beautiful. Giving you the space. Yeah, that's beautiful. I didn't mean to catch all that. Just, that that is that's beautiful. You have my vote to be who you are. It it takes one person to give someone permission, like you just giving that person to change a life. However, however, I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, I'm trying to think, I think it was when I was in seventh grade. Um, I ran for uh, class president in seventh grade for the following year for, to be in eighth grade. And I did, you know, had posters around the school, did the whole, whole shtick. And I ran against this other guy, Sam. And I voted. They came to vote. Everyone voted around the school. And I voted for the other guy because I thought it would be too self-grandizing. It'd be, I, I wouldn't be humble. I, I thought being humble is voting for the other guy. And guess what? I lost by one vote. I thought, man, why did I vote for that? What, what was the purpose? If I really thought I was worthy of leading in that position, you know, and where did I get that, that thought that it would be too, I thought, braggadocious or, you know, cocky to vote for myself. Anyway, it was a lesson I've never forgotten. And it gets back to, if we, if our primary is not loving ourselves, we cannot love another person because we'll, we won't be present with that other person. This is what people don't understand when you, and, and I've come from hardcore Christianity religion where they talk about the self-love movement is like antitheticals. It's, it's gross. I mean, there's all these narratives. Look, if you don't have love in yourself, you won't be present with another person. You can't sit and just ground and be with them. And you cannot give love if you don't have love inside yourself. You might have kindness. You can give kindness. You might have, um, you know, smart words or whatever, but love is to be present in your body. And that's what this world, and that's what I'm glad we're talking about this is 
we're, we don't know how to love ourselves. We're not being taught how to love ourselves. And, and one of the things I talk about to build self-love, we have to be courageous. We must take courageous acts, courageous steps. And that's what I mean. Getting back to the matrix and the game, the most courageous step is to say, no, not playing this game anymore. And the more courageous acts we take in our lives, the more self-love we'll have. I'm like, man, I'm proud of myself. I don't care if anyone else is proud of me. I'm proud of myself. I did something that made me afraid and made me scared and made me nervous and made me question my reality, but I stepped through it anyway. Wow. Oh, man. And when we build that muscle up, brother, there is nothing in this world that can keep us from going and making the great impact that we want to make. And um, so anyway, just hearing you, your, your story there, um, it really resonates with me because I've had to work on that a lot in my life. Yeah. I mean, and you're speaking, you're speaking to a lot of things like loving yourself, which I'm curious to know what, what your definition of that is. And I think, I think it has a, a, a baseline to it, but I think it morphs per person and what that really looks like. And I, a, a few things that kind of come up in me is one, when you love yourself, it creates internally a safe place. Yes. Like, it creates a security. Like once you can be curate, uh, you know, courageous here and you can break through, which is kind of like, which is an interesting thought and maybe, maybe worth exploring, maybe not today, but may, it's like, I look at my, my, my kids are seven and five. Do they really need to learn to love themselves or do they already love themselves? And maybe, maybe seven and five is, is maybe now they're being like, they're unlearning that. But my question to you is like, we've actually got to be courageous to step back into ourselves. That's and- right. That's exactly right. It's real. I, 100%. We are born in love. We babies come with their arms open. They don't reject love. They don't reject hugs. They're not for, but when that first pain gets inserted by the loving figure, then we start to learn that love is not safe. Our natural state of being is love. And then we as adults must unlearn the pain to get back to the, our original state, which is being loving, which is speaking until we get our needs met, which is uh, crying and expressing pain until it's out and then we're done, it, it, which is being present in the moment. <laughs> yes, you, are at, you nailed it on the head. It's unlearning that which we've learned to get back to our original state. And- and maybe, and maybe that's the process. Maybe that's necessary because I'm actually being reminded of the story of, of, the, of the, really I'm being reminded of, of the story about the boy who had a caterpillar who, who cocooned itself and then he saw the butterfly trying to break out and so he let the butterfly break out and helped it and then the butterfly died because it didn't build the strength it needed to flap its wings and survive. But mm-hmm. what I'm really feeling like is caterpillars are kind of like babies, right? They're very vulnerable. They, yes. they go really slow. They're really soft and they're really squishy. And then we kind of have to go internal through and we get, create this hard shell and we don't really know. And then maybe, maybe that might be the journey. I, I, and, and this is all like, obviously just in this conversation, I'm kind of having this thought, but you know, I agree a hundred percent that kids are born like that. I don't have to teach either of my sons how to be themselves. Yes. Literally they're doing it. Um, you know, and I, I've contemplated many times is like my job is to let the kids not to put a fence out front where traffic is running or driving by really quick. It's not to put a fence out front. It's to be present enough with them 
that I'm there and I keep them from going into the street. Not telling them like, hey, it's so dangerous, don't go there and creating and filling them with fears, but letting them and them being there to say, hey, okay, we're not gonna go out into the street right now. Like, right. like uh, I know that I grew up and we talked a little bit about my environment. I see this in my parents now so much and I laugh because I love my parents. They're great parents. They're doing it like, especially their journey and where they've come from and how they've grown up and um, you know, how they've been conditioned and all this stuff. I, I, I just, I'm thankful for them. I appreciate them. And a lot of their things is like when they watch kids, my, their grandkids play a lot of, well, that'll poke you in the eye or that'll do this. And it's like, let them, yeah. let, let them fall and gain their scars. Because what I've noticed in my life is that even to this day, if I go and I ask my mom to cut my meat on my plate, she would, right? Like she's just, <laughs> that's, that's the type of mom. And I love her for that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, if I don't learn those skills, if I don't, if I don't learn to get through some adversity, I'm going to be learning it later in life when I'm more out on my own. I'm not in that environment. Like I'm out there playing in the front yard as an adult with no fence and nobody watching. And that's a lot more of an isolating position to be in. And for me that, you know, that put me on the, the chopping block, meaning like, you know, I contemplated some dark stuff because I felt so isolated because I felt like I was way behind. And so it's, it's really important that I think we, we go through that, that, that process but again, like the start of the conversation was kids, kids already love themselves. They already know themselves. Yeah. And then we've got to kind of relearn that through the society. Yeah. My, my, so I lead men's retreats and help a lot. Of, I, I work with men in men's groups. I also do coaching with men and women. Um, but one of the, the things that I talk about is that you have to come to a place where you say the pain stops with me. It stops. It yeah. shall not pass beyond me. The pain that was given to me and presented to me and the trauma, the confusion, the worry, the, the constant, the world's not safe. If you, we don't say it stops with me, it's whatever's in me that is a natural inclination to come out of me, I will stop it if it's not the highest good, the highest order, the highest blessing, the highest peace, the highest. That is the work of of a responsible leader is to say, yes, I've had all these inclinations and I will check them. I will deal with them so that what comes out of me is the highest good for those that follow and that be that children, be that society. We need, I think in this, what we are lacking in society, what we're lacking in our social narrative are people taking responsibility for their own emotions, their own actions, their own behaviors? What we are flooded with is indicting others for their emotions, their actions, and their behaviors. I just before we hopped on and recorded, I um, I'm almost done with Facebook. I'm almost in Facebook. You know, it is so vitriolic on Facebook, and I've seen it for years, but. I feel like this quarantine is left uh, because people, I guess, have no, nothing other to do than focus on this and watch news and news sets narrative and tone. And then they regurgitate out to, but this one guy posted a, a really good article and these people just lambasted him, just attacked him like, like assassins. And I'm like, what is, for what point for them to feel right, to be right. And so you're right cool. You're right. And then you're alone and no one likes you. So congratulations. You were right in something that you didn't need to be right about because you're so letting all that 
anger pass through you as opposed to dealing with it internally and saying, wow, why am I triggered by that? What in me feels scared, vulnerable, uh, uh, exposed because someone posted another thing online? And I hope that that behavior that I watched on a Facebook post gets brought to the forefront of our social narrative to say this cannot be any longer because the reality is if we treated each other like we treated each other online in a safe space in our home on a keyboard in a monitor, we would kill each other. In fact, the guy that posted the question that elicited those responses is a, a combat Marine veteran. And I guarantee it would be a different discourse in real life if that you know was happening back and forth. And Anyway, I just bring that up as you, you're, you are on your journey and it's such a beautiful journey to be on right now and, and helping others. And it's all about what's in me. What do I allow pass out of me and what do I not want to reside in me any longer? Well, yeah. I mean, and again, you're touching on a lot of great points and, and you going back to the process of saying no. And I think a lot of people just aren't met with that yet. Right. Like, you know, we are products of our environment. And yeah. so I don't, I don't blame those people for, for being in that environment. Not everyone is, is to the, is not educated enough, insightful enough, given, given life safety, meaning their bills are paid. They're not in a, you know, fight or flight to be reflective. Um, and this is something I've kind of learned through Uber too, is for, for me, um, it's, it, 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 in my mind, it's like fanning a fire and really it's like, whether that fire is the negative talk and talking about people and putting people down, or if it's a building people up and building yourself up, like it takes oxygen. And so one thing I've noticed is like, mm -hmm. even in my conversations in Uber, um, one of the things that I found the most powerful is just silence, take the mm -hmm. oxygen out of it. So um, I think as, as far as like, if I could give advice or I could do something in here, it would be to the people that are are seeing this stuff is just take the oxygen out of it. And mm -hmm. one of the ways to do that is like, I get the whole, I don't want Facebook, I don't want Instagram and I don't want this. And a lot of it is kind of going back to the, the, the thing we talked about. Uh, I think maybe even before the show was like, just start calling. You can't run from it. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to, if, if these things exist, how do we silence it, not participate with it and then find a way to shine through that in some way, because some people need that little lighthouse. They need that guide that they need that one YouTube clip or that, that one inspirational Instagram ad that pulls them in and yeah. really gets them on the, the path. Yeah. Because if we really reflect, I look back 10 years ago, right? Like I did, a, uh, one of the things on my iPad is, is no people talking is like, it's like my thing because it's easy to fall into you know, the drama about the neighbor or the gossip about this. Yeah, and, right. and so one of the big things for me is like some that how I've been thankful enough to, to have coaches and family who I've had free space enough to be able to reflect, but not everybody is in that position to reflect. So, um, I mean, I guess one of the things that I would, I would, I, I really do advocate for is extreme ownership. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I learned that that's a Jocko Willing book. So, and I know who Jocko is, but I didn't know when I really kind of encountered this in my head that that was a book, uh, you know, but it's just something that I've had to adopt. Yeah. Is like, at the end of the day, it's for the your listeners who don't know a lot about me, uh, I'm 29. Um, in the last six years, last, let's just call it a decade, because I've been really reflecting on a decade, is like played college baseball, 
had my first son at 21, 22 was married, new to new business. I kind of talked about that mm-hmm. at 23, 24. I had my second child at 24. We started separating 25. I was starting the divorce. Uh, that's when I started getting really depressed, contemplating suicide, um, being physically abusive with my wife, cheating on my wife, mm-hmm. just total loss of who I was. 26, finally like wake up, you know, figure out um, who I am and then got into a new relationship and had to kind of start this whole path. Mm. I, and sometimes people live in that for like ever. They, yeah. they, they don't always have the space to, you know, identify these types of things so i mean for for me i'm I'm, i've had to look at all of that and be like it's extreme ownership like all like the only common cause isn't the high school you know the junior high girlfriend i had or the junior high friends i had it's not the college roommate i had it's not you know my ex-wife it's not the gym it's none of these things it's i i've been in my life all of it it's not even my parents it's me and so when i can say and the, the funny part is like when I can look in the mirror, which is a reality is a lot of people I believe can't and don't look eye to eye in their mirror mm. and have a conversation with themselves. One mm. of those being, I love you. Can you look yeah. yourself in the eyes and say, I love you. Fortunate for me, I, I, I can do that today. And there, I, I couldn't do that three years ago. Mm. So taking extreme ownership is, 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 is the best thing. And then to kind of your point about Facebook is, is really just taking the oxygen out of it. Yeah. Out of conversations with, with your kids, yeah. <laughs> out of people in the Uber. Like yeah. that's one of the biggest things. That's beautiful. So let's talk about your podcast, man. What, what is it called and how can people find you on it? And, and what is, uh, what's the topics you cover? Oh, so a uh, very creative name. It's the kale marker podcast. Nice. Uh, it's, it's real simple. And the reason behind that is because uh, I did not want to pigeonhole myself into, to being a comedy podcasts. I, I, I talk about depth and breadth of a lot of things. And we talked briefly about my journal and the journal is called gap five. And it's an acronym for growth as a, uh, and then there's five P words. So it's as a person, as a parent, as a, a partner, a provider, and what I would call a player, like how am I enjoying my life? What am I, am I rock? Am I, am I not participating in like kids activities, like imagination or mm-hmm. am I taking improv or am I jumping up? just because I want to or running out the door. So those are, those are the five areas and, and it expands on all of those get more deep, right? Like mm-hmm. when you talk about person, I owned a gym. So I talk about health. I talk about working out. I talk about learning and books and education and apps and I'm an entrepreneur, uh, you know? So the podcast is really about that. Uh, a lot of my episodes uh, are just me and I try to publish one every single day. Uh, I think I told you I have 48 episodes in 52 days since I wow. started. Amazing. Uh, I'll have more and more guests. I love having guests. It's, it's long form. Uh, and then I have a few different types of series. Uh, I'm really trying to get my garage set up as my podcast studio so I can do, uh, I'm really interested in doing uh, the Saturday sauna cast where I get in a sauna with a guest at my, my house here and we sit in there for 20 minutes above 200 degrees and have a conversation. So just, just awesome. fun things. Yeah, yeah, where they can find, cool. yeah, where they can find it is um, actually I have everything. They can go to thekalemarkerpodcast.com and they have links to all the shows, YouTube, Anchor, Apple, I, you know, Apple, uh, Spotify, and such there. Awesome, man. And for sure, I'll put those in the show notes so everyone listening, you'll get the link there. Um, and what, what led you to starting a podcast? It's really just like, no, I'm not going to hide anymore. Mm. I want to do this. 
I, I listen to a, I drive a lot. So I have a boatload of podcasts and I have just felt like pulling from the, you know, the center of my heart, the center of my gut that I, I, I want to start a podcast. And one of the things I've been um, very fortunate to do is participate in improv uh, improv comedy here at a local theater. And when I worked there for a little bit, there was a time where um, we did what was called a musical improv jam. And literally they pull names out of a bucket and we have a pianist, a, a, a bass player and a drummer and you go up on stage. And when I worked there, I got thrown into the mix of leading that. And I was a young improviser who <laughs> sings terribly, has no musical background. And I had to lead these people who are most likely somewhat having a good time and never done improv. I have to lead them through that. And I survived. Mm. So I was like, the least I could do is I could start a podcast. And the thing about all things is it's very easy to compare ourselves to like, if I'm a comedy, if I'm in my comedy career, I can compare myself to Adam Sandler and I, I will never start if I, if I have that expectation in mind. And the thing is, is like, it's a muscle. And if I start a podcast today in three years, which to a young version of Kale would have been eternity, like 19 year old Kale, 25 year old Kale would be like three years, like no way. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so like I looked at it as like in 365 days, knowing how effort compounds, how, how will this podcast impact people and how will they be able to see the journey and know that you almost shed light on the fact that it is a journey, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And so that, that, that kind of led me to do the podcast and really just feel like I have so many wonderful conversations that I want to reflect. I want to record. I, I, you know, I, I, I selfishly, I want to document this stuff too. So yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Well, I'm so glad you came on, man. I'm so glad that Chris introduced us and um, I wish you nothing but the absolute best in your journey, brother. I appreciate it. I really appreciate you having me and, and uh, being open me up to your people. Uh, that's a big deal. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of that and thankful for that. So man, it's a uh, uh, first conversation of many to come. I'm sure. I love it. I love it. Kel, thanks so much for joining the podcast and everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this journey. You listening, you are a golden rule revolutionary. You are part of the great awakening in the world. I honor you. I stand with you and wherever you are lacking the courage to face anything that is holding you back, just know you're not alone. You can reach out to me or Kale or other great leaders right now who are standing in the gap, not to indict anyone, but to be an invitation for everyone to heal. Thanks for listening. This is the Golden Rule Revolution where inspiration to purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. My name is Lucas Mack, and I will talk to you on the next episode.